The views and opinions expressed in the Youth Move Nevada podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of all statewide family networks nor Youth Move National. This podcast does not provide legal or medical advice and is intended for informational and support purposes only. All statements and opinions provided in this podcast are not meant to malign anyone or anything. Welcome back to the Youth Move Nevada podcast. In case you're a first-time listener, my name is Riley Harris, and I am a youth mentor for Youth Move Nevada, and I use he, him pronouns. Youth Move is a youth-inspired and youth-led organization that encourages and empowers our youth peers to unite together to engage with systems that serve them. We recognize the power of lived experience, and we're also a strengths-based bridge to improving support services for youth and by youth through our shared experience and expertise. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. And if you're a long-time listener, thanks for your support. So let's get to the reason you tuned in. So this episode, we're once again discussing the topic of bullying uh, in recognition of October being National Bullying Prevention Month. Bullying is an ongoing issue across the country, as well as here in Nevada, and it can be hard to know what to do if you or a friend is being bullied. Today, we're joined by Dana Mervis from Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center to help in our discussion. Uh, Dana, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Dana, and I've been working for Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center for the last eight years. And uh, my primary role is to provide resources for the community and help them to understand and navigate our website and the free resources that we have available. Thank you so much for being here. And I mean, I was checking out uh, the Pacer website uh, in preparation for this, and you all have such wonderful information and resources. So kind of just getting right into the topic, I, I sort of want to start with something a little easy. Um, can we sort of discuss how uh, cyberbullying differs from traditional forms of bullying? Sure. That is a really important conversation to have. While all bullying is characterized by aggressive, often repetitive, hurtful behavior towards another person or a group, there are distinguishing elements when it happens using digital devices. And so we want to be clear that bullying in all forms is something that is really harmful uh, to individuals, and no one ever deserves to be bullied. But when it comes to electronic devices, one of the things that's different between what we would consider to be traditional bullying is how pervasive and persistent it is throughout the day. We call it 24-7. And so bullying used to occur on the playground or at school or on the way home. There were times of the day when students could find respite and uh, they felt that they were in a safe place. And with um, electronic devices, the way that the internet has become integrated into our lives for all of us, not just for students, but for adults as well, we know how important our devices are to us, not just for keeping in touch with our family and our friends, but also for um, whatever ways that we're, we're looking and working on the internet. We know how important it is. And for students, it's especially difficult to separate from that when they get home from school. So the issues related to cyberbullying are 24-7. We also know that the issues are persistent and um, that those being bullied also might not even know who is targeting them, which makes it easier for them 
to be very confused about why they're being targeted or um, how to make that stop. It's very difficult to detect it. Um, one of the greatest impacts of cyberbullying is that it can be shared very, very quickly with a very large number of people. And so that issue has um, really been impactful on students' mental health because if something is um, shared to a large audience very quickly that has a negative impact on their, their emotional well-being, it, it can be very, very hurtful. And speaking of the issue of being hurtful, with cyberbullying, the person that is doing the bullying is not able to see the immediate response from the person that they're hurting. And so it can be especially cruel in that way because that interpersonal relationship is not there. The face-to-face -face communication is not there. And therefore, with cyberbullying, it can be especially damaging. The last thing that I would say is that the information that is out there that causes the harm is permanent. Students can look at it over and over and over again, and it's very hard to have that information or that that those hurt that hurtful language taken down. Yeah, I, I think it's a very complex topic, and you know, one of the things you said is the thing that sticks out the most to me that if you're being bullied in person, it's it's already difficult enough if there's just a handful of your peers, and the idea that this kind of content online could be seen by possibly thousands or even more of people is honestly kind of terrifying. And kind of building off that, thinking about the options people have, I want to know what kind of laws or regulations are there, you know, especially at the federal level that specifically address cyberbullying? Well, that is a, a little bit of a complicated subject because Students have additional legal rights if they are part of a protected class, and that's something really important to know because as a protected class, which could be race, color, religion, disability, sex, and national origin, among other things, these cases are considered harassment and they have a legal standing. And so if someone is being bullied based on their protected class, then it is something that needs the attention of a trusted adult so that it can be addressed appropriately. But in regards to cyberbullying, really it is um, state by state and policy by policy. And uh, that makes it a little bit more difficult. So the Cyberbullying Research Center has a lot of information that addresses issues related to regulations and laws for responding to inappropriate use of technology really one of the conversation that is important is who is willing to step up and take responsibility for responding to inappropriate use of technology. School district personnel should review their harassment and bullying policies to ensure that it allows for the discipline of students who engage in cyberbullying. If their policy covers it, cyberbullying incidents that occur at school or that start off campus but ultimately result in a substantial disruption of the learning environment, these instances are well within a school's legal authority to intervene. And the school needs to make it clear to all stakeholders that they need to discuss the incident, they need to respond to the incident. It, it is their obligation to do so. Parents often say that they don't have the knowledge or the time to keep up with their children's online behavior. 
And um, educators are often doing their part through policies, through different curriculum. They have trainings, they have assemblies at school. Um, and so sometimes they don't know when and how to intervene in online behaviors that occur away from school, but it still is impacting their students. Law enforcement as well are hesitant to intervene if there isn't evidence of a crime or that someone is being threatened for their physical safety. It's hard to respond because there's differences all across the country and that makes it more difficult to um, have an effective response. Schools have bullying prevention policies. Some of them include cyberbullying as well. So it's really important that our educators, that our parents and that our law enforcement know what the policies are in the specific states and in their schools. So the most important thing is that we create an environment where all youth feel comfortable talking with adults about the problem and feel confident that meaningful steps will be taken. And we also need to get everyone involved. So we need to have parents and educators, counselors, youth leaders, law enforcement, social media companies, and other community members to really be involved in the process of addressing the cyberbullying issues. Yeah, and I know that um, here in Nevada, at least, we do have specific language in the law regarding bullying and cyberbullying in particular. And, you know, like you said, it's it's not necessarily a perfect solution. And I really like that you you put that focus on kind of addressing our, our communities and kind of shifting the way that we think about ourselves as belonging to this larger group of people, wherever it is that, that we, we are located. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, moving on that, like, I, I guess, do you have any sort of specific advice for youth in how to develop and maintain online safety, both for themselves and amongst their peers? Like, are there any sort of preventative steps that youth can or should be taking? Well, yeah, I think the most important step is for for students um, to protect themselves. They should never share their passwords, private photos, or personal data. And they should never publicly reveal anything that wouldn't be comfortable with everyone knowing. It's important that students remember that when they share something online, it can be shared with anyone, including parents and teachers. Yeah, I I know when I was growing up, I heard a lot from adults that, you know, whatever you put online will be there forever. And I, I think having that sort of frame of mind can really help you think twice about the sort of stuff that you should be sharing with Mm -hmm. potentially strangers on the internet. Um, And I think it's very important for students to also understand that everyone can have access to that. So it's not just the people that are reading, but parents, educators, coaches, college admissions advisors. There are people that have access to the words that we put online that can damage our reputation and that can also affect how people see us. And so it's not just protecting yourself from being bullied, it's also protecting yourself from the negative impacts of hurting others. I think both of those are important for kids to remember when when they're online and they sometimes forget the impact of their words. Absolutely. I guess working from that, you know, 
what are some steps that youth can take if they are experiencing cyberbullying? Well, one of the most important things for students to remember is that they don't have to go through this alone. Talk to a trusted adult. And if that person is not able to help, talk to someone else. I like to remind people that it's not only parents. It's not only someone of authority at school in regards to you don't have to go to the principal. You can find someone who you trust. It could be a friend's parent. It could be an older sibling. It could be the aunt of a friend. It could be a teacher who doesn't have an administrative position, but perhaps is an art teacher or a favorite teacher. And so it's really important that students talk to someone who could help them or who could go with them to talk to someone about it. Many students say, well, I told someone and they weren't very helpful and I don't think that anyone cares and I don't think anyone can help me. And so that is one of the most important things that I can express is that students ask for help and that they talk to someone that they trust and they keep talking. As a next step, it's really important that students save everything and print what they can. Documenting the bullying incidents is a valuable way to get help. Block individuals who are not respectful and limit access to people you want to interact with. After all of the other issues are addressed, it's really important for students to have resiliency. And the reason that I bring this up is because developing the ability to demonstrate resilience when being targeted, it really helps to build your confidence, to know that you can stand tall, and it will help the journey down the road into professional success and life success. I really like that because both resiliency and self-advocacy are two topics we focus on a lot in Youth Move Nevada. And to kind of use a, my own lived experience, um, I did experience in-person bullying when I was in middle school. And it was kind of difficult because I very quickly approached the administration and they definitely you know, kind of dragged their heels, getting things figured out and addressing the problem. And I guess, you know, like you said, it can be disheartening if if when you first go to someone, it seems like maybe they don't care or they're not invested in your struggles. And just in my own experience, I didn't give up. I kept going to the administration and I got my friends to come with me and mm -hmm. other people who were being targeted by the same group of students. And there's a certain point where they have to address this when enough people are saying, hey, this is a problem and we're talking to everyone we know. And I, I just do think it is important that youth don't give up if they they see any sort of pushback the first time they, they try and speak to someone who can address this. I'd like to just add on to that a little bit. And that is one of the things that we know is that kids don't want to talk about bullying. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And it stems anywhere from that they're embarrassed, they're sad, they're ashamed, they feel deflated, angry, fearful. There are a lot of reasons why kids don't want to talk about it. And sometimes it's because they've had unhelpful advice. So someone may have told them, ignore it. We know that that's the first thing that kids do when they're experiencing bullying is they try to ignore it. All of these things are also very applicable to cyberbullying, but it's super important that they talk to someone and 
it's super important that they continue to try to get the help that they need. And so when an adult is the first person that is hearing them and listening to them and giving them advice, it really can make a world of difference for those students. So I'm glad that in your experience that you were able to continue to get the help that you needed or to ask for the help that you needed. And I think that in regards to the resiliency, the important part about that is not that they should just be able to ignore it and be resilient. That isn't the point. The point is, is that they need to take the steps to be safe, which is to ask for help, which is to document what's happening to them, which is to block the individuals who are not respectful and limit the access for people that they don't know very well. Once they've taken those steps, then they need to have the self-confidence and the resiliency to take the next step forward and continue to go about being successful at school and maintaining relationships with their friends and continuing to thrive in their daily life. I think that was incredibly well put. So kind of changing gears a little bit. I want to know, are, are there any sort of specific trends that you should be aware of when it comes to cyberbullying? Well, we know that peer-to-peer -to -peer support is the best way to stop bullying. So this would also apply to online experiences. We know that cyberbullying has been very impactful. And we know that with the increase in technology in different internet platforms that students are involved with, we know that cyberbullying is not going away. But what we do know is that the peer-to-peer -peer support is the best way to stop the bullying. In referencing back to the Cyberbullying Research Center, one of the most encouraging findings from their examination of young teens throughout America in 2020 was that most have sought to help those being targeted when they see it happen. Previous research found that younger students are more likely than older students to intervene in school bullying, but that the relevance of age becomes less important when it comes to cyberbullying. And they found that 66% of tweens are willing to step in to defend, support, or otherwise assist those who are bullied online. We would like to see the same trend for older students, and so we continue to recommend, we continue to promote the idea that peer-to-peer -peer support is the best way to help. And we, we would like that trend to continue upward. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of uplifting, actually, that the, the data seems to show that people are more willing to get involved in trying to stop the bullying when they do see it going on. And, you know, I think that leads perfectly into the final question I have here is that kind of thinking again of that community perspective, what can be done to support the well-being of youth who are experiencing cyberbullying? Thank you for asking that question, because that's a lot of what we do at Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center. We really help people to understand how to help others. And so not only are we providing information about bullying, not only are we providing information for educators about activities and tools that they can use in the classroom for bullying prevention, we help parents in understanding situations related to bullying and how to address those issues. 
it's really very important for us to help support students who are experiencing cyberbullying. And so one of the most important things is to be supportive. And I know that that sounds obvious, but it isn't always obvious. Many students feel like they're not being heard and that they're not being respected. And so it's very important for us to tell youth that it is not their fault, that they are not alone, that bullying is never okay, and that it's not up to them to stop the bullying, that it is up to an adult to help with that. It's also really, really important that the student who's being targeted is involved in the process of solving the problem. So one of the things that PACER has designed or developed is a student action plan. And that's a plan that asks a student to ask who, what, why, where, and when, and to write it down. And while in that process, also thinking about what would best help them and who do they want to get involved in that process. And so it allows them to regain some of the control that they feel like they have lost and to feel respected in the process. And so we also have an adult accompanying guide to that student action plan. And we have found that that's been one of the most useful tools in helping students, whether it's bullying or cyberbullying, because it's the same process. The process of including a youth in the problem solving allows them to feel like they are a part of the process and regain their sense of control. And that can make a world of difference for that youth. Yeah, so I, I think the biggest takeaways from the information you've provided us is that it's really important to emphasize that if if you are experiencing bullying, it is absolutely not your fault. It's very important to learn how to identify both peers and supportive adults who you can rely on for help and assistance in the process. And especially that if you are experiencing bullying, that that your opinion on what to do does matter and that it should be valued and taken into account. One of the important things to remember about helping youth who are being cyberbullied is that an adult's initial response may be to take away that device from a child and to take away access to technology. And because of that, many kids are really reluctant to share anything negative about what they're experiencing online. It's really more helpful to let a child know right away that you want to work with them so that they can use the technology safely and so that you are not planning on immediately taking away their access to their technology, to their games and their chats and their Instagram and whatever it is that they feel so connected to and that you're going to work with them to solve the problem and not make it more difficult for them. And that's something that I think is a, a real fear of students and one of the reasons why they don't want to share their, their experiences online and really a helpful reminder for adults and a helpful reminder for students to make that clear to the adults that are helping them. I also wanted to add that I was really impressed by your last episode where you spoke with Richard Egan from the Nevada Office of Suicide Prevention. And a lot of the things that he talked about related to internet influences on mental health apply to the conversation about cyberbullying. 
he talked about the benefits and the negative impacts of internet and internet influences and technology. And I think that that holds very true for issues related to cyberbullying. We are very connected to our phones and to the communication that we have online. And there are a lot of really positive connections that we have. And it's really important that we are able to keep those connections and to feed off of those positive connections. It's also very important for students to know that there are some negative consequences to that online communication and that for them to be able to stop that by getting help is really important. It's also really important for students to remember that their face-to-face relationships with their friends, with their families, with their coworkers, with the people in their neighborhood is really, really important for their mental health. And it's really important to keep them grounded in what's important and grounded in the relationships that they have with people so that if they do encounter cyberbullying that is impacting them negatively, that they have those personal connections to go to. So I encourage everyone to really build on those interpersonal relationships, those community relationships that they have in person so that when they encounter a problem, that they have someone that they can go to, that they trust that they can talk to. It's all about the balance. It's really important. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for recognizing the work that we're doing at Pacers National Bullying Prevention Center. October is National Bullying Prevention Month. October 18th is Unity Day. And uh, we're really excited that people all over the world are helping us to celebrate and to choose kindness, acceptance, and inclusion. It's really important that we choose kindness, acceptance, and inclusion because that is the basic premise for healthy relationships. And if we teach and we know and we live kindness, acceptance, and inclusion, then we will absolutely reduce bullying. So thank you for having me. Dana, I'd just like to thank you again for joining us and providing your expertise as well as really valuable information and resources. The Pacer website has a ton of amazing stuff on it, and I really recommend anyone listening to check it out. Regardless of your specific situations, there's a lot of fantastic stuff there. And just thanks again to the listeners for always tuning in. I always encourage you to interact with us on our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at YouthMoveNV. And I think with that, we will see you next time. The theme music used in this podcast was created by YouthMove Nevada member TJ Stevens of Falanche Entertainment.